Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The official sponsor of the Can We Please Talk podcast is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Let's get you some great tasting coffee to help you start your day off right. Whether you're shopping for coffees, teas, syrups, mixes, mugs, gift cards, and more, when you get to checkout, enter in the promo code CANWEGET20 to get 20% off your first purchase of the delicious coffee that helps Nick and I get through these episodes. Head to our sponsors at FreshRoastedCoffee.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Severi. On the program today, Tucker Carlson, Nick. It's always Tucker Carlson. It's always Tucker Carlson at the top of the show. If you haven't heard the latest with Tucker Carlson <clears throat> sharing the January 6th footage after Speaker McCarthy gave it to the Fox News hosts, we're going to play some reaction and sound from lawmakers on Capitol Hill about this footage that they say is not representing what happened on January 6th. Plus, later on in the program, Haley B. Miller, she's a fantastic USA Today Network reporter. She covers politics and government over there. For the Ohio Bureau, Columbus Dispatch, a bunch of other papers there. You've probably read Haley's work. If you live in the Ohio area, she's going to talk to us about everything that happened with the East Palestine, Ohio train derailment. Also, there's been some more developments in the Norfolk Southern case with respect to other train derailments and accidents that have happened with the company. So Haley's going to join us in our next segment to break all of that down. Nick, my friend, how are you doing, buddy? What, what's going on, man? This, there's, you know, I was combing today when we were thinking about topics to talk about in our first segment. And by the way, follow us on social media, IG, TikTok, Can We Please Talk podcast, uh, on, tw- on Twitter, excuse me, at Can We Please Talk, email us, Can We Please Talk podcast at gmail.com. If you have a question, comment, concern, anything that you've 
heard over episodes, even what Haley uh, tells us in the next segment about the East Palestine, Ohio train derailment. I know, Nick, you've got a lot of Twitter uh, flack on on some of that, and, and we get into that with Haley in the next segment. But, you know, I was looking today to think of things that we want to discuss in our first segment. And you and I do this, and, and I'm sure in every newsroom out there in America, if they're not doing this, they should be doing this, is kind of combing through what are priority stories that, you know, the American people either find interesting or are important, right? What happened in East Palestine is very important because it affects not only that community, but the Ohio-Pennsylvania border and people breeding in toxic airs and quality of life, right? Um, our environment. But in our first segment, I'm looking around and I'm like, everything that I keep seeing attention-wise is about what is happening with Speaker McCarthy. I think this is the first time, again, I don't know this historically, maybe you do. The first time we've ever heard of a sitting member of Congress that's leading his caucus, right? He's the Speaker of the House. He's got the gavel and he's turning over key footage of something that happened in our nation's capital that we all watched on television. We all saw the damage. We all saw the subsequent arrest. We all seen everything that has happened post that. And at eight o'clock to 3.5 million people, they're all watching footage being misinterpreted and being shown to display some kind of narrative as if Josh Hawley wasn't running in the hallway. Like I saw Josh Hawley running in the hallway along with other lawmakers. What are you trying to disprove? Um, Am I wrong in thinking that we should be talking about something else and not focus on this? I'm going to, we're going to play some sound from Tucker's show the other night and stuff like that. And things lawmakers have said, because they think it's important. And Republicans, uh, especially uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, other Republicans have come out. Mitt Romney has said, this is wrong, what we're doing. This is not revisionist history. I was here. I got escorted out by police. What do you, what do you make of this at the top before we actually get into this? Like, are, are, are we doing too much? If I was a listener of Can We Please Talk?, and I would be like, man, these guys, all they do is talk about Tucker Carlson and Fox News. Am I wrong, Nick? Well, I, I mean, to, to, to a listener who, who feels that way, A, you know, thanks for listening or watching on our various channels. But I, you know, I think the conversation is, is important now because I think, play, you know, for one, you know, when the January 6th committee wrapped up, you know, throughout that process, the hearings, all the evidence that was shown. You know, it, it reopened the national wound, you know, looking at the video and the footage, looking at the footage, um, having people testify, sharing their experience, you know, people that were video recorded, um, you know, under under sworn testimony, you know, talking about what was going on, you know, as far as the, the former president's um, involvement. And it really just kind of unearthed and you and I were going back and forth about this really just some damning, damaging stuff as it relates to the way some people in our country treated our democracy, really. It's not just about, you know, invading a Capitol building. It's a statement that you don't trust the United States government in that moment um, in the election of 2020. You know, so when you say like, are we talking about too much? You know, are we giving Tucker a lot of coverage at the moment? Probably, but you know, Tucker is just part of, I mean, it's in many ways, it's what Fox deserves, because as you've said, there are many people at the network, you know, those who've, you, if you read articles at foxnews.com or, you know, watch some of the other programming, you know, earlier in the day um, or weekends who are, who are credible journalists. But unfortunately, this is the man that the network wants to get behind. This is the man who, as you just said, draws 3.5 million viewers, which is more than any other news program currently. 
But when you get in bed with someone who you know, is willing to really be two-faced about all this stuff. We just saw recently from the BBC, it was a report that came out about more text messages about what, about things that Tucker had said about the former president. Um, right. You know, this morning I was, I, I read a couple of them to my wife and I asked her, Hey, just, just playing a game with me. I'm going to read some statements to you. Who do you think said this? And Tucker Carlson's name was the last one on the list. And here are some of the comments that came up. First one reads, we are very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. I truly can't wait. I hate him passionately. Yeah, I, I've said the same thing. That's the last four years. We're all pretending we've got a lot to show for it because admitting what the disaster it's been is too tough to digest. But come on, there isn't really an upside to Trump. I said the same thing <laughs> with those previous administration. Other than a tax cut that really didn't do much for the economy, what actually came from the Trump administration? But anyway. Well, no, it's but, so funny. Hold on, yeah. but because let's just dive into it, because he's saying that in these court filings to give people context, if you don't know about what happened on Tuesday, these these new court filings re re revealed a bunch of messages that Carlson was sending to, I'm assuming, his senior producer. And by the way, like I've mentioned before, just in interest of full disclosure, I am friends with one of his senior producers. I've known her since my days when I was there at the network. She's a little bit younger than me. Um, and so I'm not sure if she, the, the, the text message name that he was sending this to was actually redacted in a court filing. So you don't know who it actually is. Um, but he also texted, you know, obviously, Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity. We know about some of those text message exchanges, and more things have come out about how upset they were that the Fox election deaths back in November called Arizona for Joe Biden. And then obviously... Tucker went to air the Monday, it was either Monday or Tuesday night, and he was talking about January 6th, Tucker investigates. And this is the first thing he led off with. The protesters were angry. They believed that the election they had just voted in had been unfairly conducted, and they were right. In retrospect, it is clear the 2020 election was a grave betrayal of American democracy. Given the facts that have since emerged about that election, no honest person can deny it. I'm so glad he said no honest person can deny it when literally in a court filing two years ago, it said no reasonable person would listen to Tucker Carlson. Remember, that was one of the Fox lawyers arguing about that. So then obviously the episode airs. A lot of people get asked on Capitol Hill about it from Senate Minority Leader, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer weighed in, Mitt Romney, a bunch of them. Let's play a little bit from what everybody was saying over on Capitol Hill. By Speaker McCarthy to give access to Tucker Carlson on this security footage? My uh, concern is how it was depicted, which is a different issue. Clearly, the chief of the Capitol Police, in my view, correctly describes what most of us witnessed firsthand on January 6th. And then, obviously, a day goes by. Tucker, obviously, these folks are making these comments during the day. Tucker records, by the way, at 6 p.m. The 8 p.m. show always tapes at 6 p.m. little side note for everybody there. He used to work on the 8 p.m. show uh, when it was actually the O'Reilly Factor. So Tucker tapes his show at 6 o'clock. Sometimes he is live and he comes on live. It depends on what's happening. And this is what he led off his show with, attacking the lawmakers. We should also tell you that Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, was joined in this outrage by the Senate Minority Leader, and that would be a Republican, Mitch McConnell. 
And they were joined by a cascade of other Republicans. Tom Tillis from North Carolina, Mitt Romney from Utah, all sharing the same outrage. And from this, we learn two things. One, you're getting close to what they really care about. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why is it so important that they would degrade themselves by telling such obvious lies and calling for censorship? Why? What are they trying to protect? That might be worth exploring, and we plan to. And the second thing that we learned from this is that they're on the same side. The Senate Majority Leader joins the Senate Minority Leader. Tom Tillis, Mitt Romney. <laughs> they're all on the same side. You know, there's a couple of things in there. I'm going to let you go in a second, Nick. But my big issue with what he just said there, you and I have texted about this, uh, a mutual friend of ours. But I also have other friends that literally regularly tune in at eight o'clock. Like it's, you know, like it's, this is us, like it's a new episode and they just sit there, they put on Fox news and they sit there at eight o'clock. And what he just said there about they're getting close, he leaves the door open for conspiratorial things. If conspiratorial is a word, he leaves the door open always. Those things are pre-plotted folks. The way they write those scripts out, like that stuff is pre-plotted. Take it as somebody who used to help pre-plot. That stuff is pre-plotted. And for him to come up with that crafty wording that leaves the door open to interpretation, to say, here's the government again, not telling you the truth. And now they're united in not telling you the truth. Why? Why is that? Why is that? My problem is, I've said this, I've maintained it before, you, you've said this a bunch. I'm going to go a step further. If you believe in these conspiracies and you believe that everything is not on the up and up, you got to go all in. I better not catch you out here with a brand new iPad and an Apple Watch and an iPhone and having credit cards so that way you can be tracked by the government, all these things. You better have a fake social. You better not have a real birth. Like, I better not catch you out here with all these things where you're living your everyday life and you're at Disney World, taking your kids to Disney World and you got the ears and you got the T-shirt. Yet you're using the word woke and doing all this stuff. I better not catch you doing all that. I better not catch you doing all that because that's the kind of bullshit that we're trying to prevent. If you can't notice hypocrisy on both sides of it, you're just as bad. So the last thing I want to say before I turn to you, Nick, is the show at six o'clock. And I mentioned this in the clip that you've seen in our social media pages. If you haven't, like I said, follow us on IG, TikTok, and Twitter. But I talked about the people at the network, and I mentioned like nine or 10 names, Chad Pergram, Brett Baer, et cetera, et cetera. All these folks that are doing their job, head down, reporting on the news. One of them who took you know, a mortar blast and like lost his leg and like is, is just walking again. You think what he thinks he does reporting from Ukraine on what's happening in the war is propaganda? It's just not. It's not. No one's going to lose their leg over <laughs> going to do propaganda. I know I wouldn't, and I know he doesn't. But it's so funny because the 6 o'clock show, right before Tucker Carlson's show, had Chad Pergamon, the fantastic congressional reporter who's been on this program, talking to Brett Baer about all of the arrests that have happened subsequent January 6th and everything that the lawmakers were saying in response to Tucker Carlson playing this footage. Take a listen to this. Sicknick's partner, Sandra Garza, said she's appalled and the video downplayed his death. Brett. Chad Pergram, live on Capitol Hill. Chad, thank you. 
And to be clear, no one here at Fox News condones any of the violence that happened on January 6th. You know, it's funny because as I'm recording this episode, my wife is watching reality television and something's happened in the world of reality television in the Vanderpump Rules world, right? And it's like, turn the internet upside down. And why, Nick? Because the car crash effect, right? We want to watch what is happening in people's lives. And so some of this is theater, like being able to get this footage and spin it on its head to say, look, the guy with the horns that walked into the Capitol was being ushered by police. It was peaceful. There was nothing going on there. Josh Hawley was calmly running down that hallway, just like everybody else was. Uh, The people that were by Nancy Pelosi's office Again, you can fast forward the tape or rewind it. They were just knocking on the doors. They're just playing around. Nick, they're just playing around. They're just knocking on the Capitol doors. Everybody does that on a random Wednesday. Tell me a little bit about what you make of not only Tucker getting access to the footage and how unprecedented that is for a sitting member of Congress and the Speaker of the House to actually turn that over to an anchor on a television program, but what you make of this entire story overall. I mean, with regards to the first question you know it's 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 been fascinating to me that republicans fought so hard to you know to get back control of at least one part of congress you know and they were able to win back the house by its slim majority and what they lead off with is investigating into hunter biden trying to form a committee about government overreach um the you know speaker of the house giving you know, January 6th footage to Tucker Carlson. And, you know, and the, and what I'm don't, what I don't understand is, you know, if all you want to do in taking back the house was basically to just have a platform to run a essentially a endless supply of, or feeding into an endless supply of conspiracy theories. Well, what was the point? Because that's, is that governance? And I would ask that to, you know, to, uh, Congressman McCarthy's district in California uh, to obviously Marjorie Taylor Greene's district in Georgia. What is the point of this? Does this make anyone's lives better? You know, you would think, at least for Fox, considering what's going on with the lawsuit against Dominion, that you'd want to lay low, right? But here's, you know, one of your right, here's one of your stars that's just putting their foot right back in their mouth that is absolutely just going all in. Recently, at the CPAC event that we talked about, you know, on an earlier episode, you know, there was one um, conservative, you know, talking head that talked about um, trans transgenders. He referred to he referred to transgenders transgenderism. You know, talking about people, human beings, as a movement rather than an actual people. And he said that that it needs to be stopped. And what people drew from that was really the concern of this sounds almost genocidal, you know, this willingness to dehumanize and then eradicate a whole swath of people that you simply don't like. And it was a Republican member of Congress, I forget their name, that was asked about this question of, you know, what do you feel? And the, 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 the congressman's response was very, was it was just very empty. It was essentially no comment. And I remember on Twitter seeing people, you know, really upset about that. Like, how could you not respond to this? How could you not say you don't stand for this? And my response to many people is, what do you expect that person to say when a portion of their voting base truly feeds on this? This is what gives them energy every day. It's what gets them up in the morning. It's what gets them to watch Fox News at night 
or Newsmax or OAN. And it's not to absolve that member of Congress because they should do the right thing. But I also understand from an electability standpoint, this is the bed that you've made. And that's what I would say about Tucker Carlson. You know, Mike, I'm going to throw my own conspiracy <laughs> in the uh, out in the field here. Might as well. This sounds a little like Tucker's doubling down on this January 6th stuff. Um, well, primarily the January 6th stuff. I think he's just trying to save face with these text messages coming out. He looks duplicitous. So what do you do? You try to do a solid to the far right that tries to downplay the folks like Jack Del Rio um, that don't think January 6th was that big a deal. So you throw those folks a bone. And again, those are viewers. You know, the 3.5 million people you talked about, a large portion of them, a sizable portion at the very least, really believe this stuff. And that's where this all gets really scary is that you are providing, you're feeding into conspiracies, you're feeding into a lie. And it's been proven that these folks don't believe it. But for the sake of ratings, for the sake of money, you continue to perpetuate this. And that in isolation is the, is the scariest thing, that you have an organization that is okay with someone you know, at 8 p.m. prime time that is putting forth a complete lie in the effort to maintain an audience and an audience, I would say that that ba- that what we saw very visibly appear on January 6th, the same audience that is showing up at your school board meetings, you know, complaining about woke and all this other nonsense. And that is just penetrating all these sects of society of American society, all based on just pure nonsense. And here's just a ringleader. Yeah. We leave it there. I have nothing else to add because, like I said, more and more is going to come out about not only this lawsuit with Dominion, and I'm sure there'll be more text messages. I don't know how many more segments I can do on Fox News if it's relevant, unless something drastic happens that coincides with the new season of Succession (laughs) since the show's based on that. All right, we leave it there. In our next segment, Haley B. Miller, like I mentioned, you can go check out all of Haley's work for the USA Today Network. She covers everything Ohio. She's going to talk to us about the train derailment that happened in East Palestine, Ohio a few weeks ago. Another train derailment, train derailment excuse me, to happen in Springfield, Ohio, all at the hands of Norfolk Southern. Haley, when we come back after the break. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Nick, today's episode is presented as always by our friends over at Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, their passion has always been bringing you gourmet coffees from all over the world, roasted fresh to order. I got my coffee snob here, Nick Saveri. Nick, tell these people, coffee snob it up here. Tell these people why Fresh Roasted Coffee is so good and why they're the official sponsor of Can We Please Talk. You know, often the best cup of coffee that you're ever going to have is the one that you can make from home. And you need good quality coffee to do that. And that's what Fresh Roasted Coffee offers. You know, between single origin between blends, flavors, anything on the coffee spectrum they've got. But more importantly, and I can't stress this enough, 
Often when you purchase coffee, you don't know where to start. I mean, there's so many different varieties, so many different opportunities, so many different things you could choose from. And Fresh Roast of Coffee just gives you a very simple questionnaire and just says, hey, figure out what your cup, what your coffee cup is. Figure out what blend works for you. I've gotten some single origin recommendations, so is Mike, and that's influenced everything. And what they recommend, you can get in a Keurig cup, the way Mike takes it. You can take it in the way I do it, which is typically through a French press, or you can get it for a percolator. Whatever coffee machine you've got, they've got you covered. But more importantly, just a huge variety and a way to learn more about coffee itself. No, that's very well said. And all of this is available at freshroastedcoffee.com on their site. One cup is all it takes to fall in love with fresh roasted coffee, but you get a discount for being a listener of Can We Please Talk. All you got to do is enter in the promo code Can We Get 20 at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right, she's a fantastic political reporter over for the USA Today Network covering everything Ohio, and that's Haley B. Miller. Haley, Mike, and Nick, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. Good to be here. So, Haley, you know, we reached out to you because and we've been telling our audience we want to do something around what happened in East uh, Palestine, Ohio, with the train derailment. And then obviously there's been some subsequent news of other trail derailment, uh, excuse me, other train derailments in Ohio. Uh, I want to get the latest on that in a bit. But with respect to the the derailment that happened in East Palestine, um, can you take our audience 30,000 foot overview as to the timeline of events and where we currently are with the community? There was a huge water crisis. Governor DeWine was there. Some stuff with him drinking a bottle of water versus tap water. Can you take our audience into kind of the summary of events that happened with this train derailment? Yeah, so it's been a little over a month now since the Norfolk Southern train derailed in East Palestine. It went off the tracks in uh, February 3rd, right in the heart of the village. Uh, The train caught fire and spilled um, five different hazardous materials into the air, the water, the soil. The sort of most notable of these chemicals was vinyl chloride. After, I believe, a couple days, state officials, emergency responders started to get word from the company that there was sort of a volatile chemical reaction happening in the five cars that contained the vinyl chloride. At that point, everyone at the table came to an agreement that Norfolk Southern should go ahead and do a controlled release of that vinyl chloride, which is what, if you saw the pictures, it's what released that like terrifying looking black cloud into the air. People evacuated while that was happening. They were continually testing air and water. And after the release of the vinyl chloride, you know, the state officials said, told residents they could come back. The air was back to kind of where it was um, pre-derailment. But, you know, since all of that has happened, we've learned a little bit more about the derailment itself. The NTSB released some preliminary findings saying that there was an overheated wheel wheel bearing that caused the train to derail. And there were some hints kind of along the route that this wheel bearing was starting to overheat. So I think that's going to be something they continue to look into. But now you still have residents just contending with the aftermath of this. A lot of people are still really concerned about the air and water. Both state and U.S. EPA officials have said, you know, they're 
the municipal water is safe to drink, the air is safe to breathe. Um, private well testing on is ongoing and as well, and there haven't been any um problematic findings in there. But you know, people people are scared. This has been um an overwhelming thing for this community, and um, you know, they're just looking for answers and want some assurances that their community is going to be, you know, safe to live in in the long run. Haley, what's your assessment about, you mentioned just some of the information about what chemicals and toxins we know were released from the, from the derailment. Has there been any other information that's come out since then, as far as what other chemicals we know? So there, the main five, um, I can't remember the names of all of them. I think one was like butyl acetate or something. Um, these were the main five chemicals that were being carried on the train. And then beyond that, there's been some conversation about whether the APA should be testing from, for dioxins, which is the stuff that can get released kind of separate from the main five that the trains were carrying. Last I heard on that front, I believe Norfolk Southern is going to be doing some testing for dioxins that's going to be overseen by, um, either the Ohio EPA or the federal EPA, because that has been a concern that's come up a lot. People have been wondering why that dioxin testing won't be happening. So it's my understanding that that will be happening now too. You just mentioned Norfolk Southern is going to be in in charge of the testing or they're working collaboratively with the, um, with the environmental authority in Ohio. So um, the U S EPA, that was part of um, a requirement that they issued to the company. So the company will have to test for that, but presumably, you know, EPA officials will be looking at that sampling and um, sort of monitoring that it's done correctly. Yeah, it sounds good. And, you know, actually, I want to ask you something on Norfolk Southern overall, because uh, there was some preliminary reports about Norfolk Southern offering the community residents like some sum of money, then they raised it a little bit more. Uh, Maybe they were covering some health expenses for the people that were experiencing issues. Where are we with respect to potential investigations that are ongoing may happen into Norfolk Southern? Where do you expect a lot of this to play out in the legal community? So the big investigation right now is the NTSB investigation. Um, Separate from that, Governor Mike DeWine in Ohio has said that our attorney general is looking at the case. Still no word from our attorney general's office as to whether um, whether he's going to be taking any legal action against the company, if there's going to be any further investigation. I also know that uh, Governor Josh Shapiro over in Pennsylvania referred this as a criminal matter to his attorney general's office, not... 100% sure the status of that. I do know as of this week, um, I believe Governor Shapiro met with a company and um, the company agreed to provide, I think, $5 million in relief for specifically for Pennsylvania residents who have been affected by that. But, um, you know, Governor Shapiro has been very, very outspoken, critical of the company. So I would be surprised if um, their attorney general doesn't take some more action at some point. Haley, between what the White House is saying about their assessment and what the state of Ohio is saying, uh, it seems like there's sort of a, I guess, a not conflict, but a 
standoff, I guess, between the governor of Ohio and the president as far as uh, going forward with next steps? Or has that situation cooled and there's more collaboration between the two parties? Well, I think there's been a lot of debate about the federal response and all of this. Um, You know, in Ohio, at least, Governor DeWine's been pretty open about the fact that, you know, federal EPA officials were on the ground from the beginning. The NTSB investigation kicked off right away. Um, There's still some debate, I think, as to whether um, Ohio would be eligible for FEMA assistance specifically. Um, That's what happens if the governor were to declare a disaster in the area, you know, President Biden would follow suit. Um, That still hasn't been resolved. There have been FEMA folks on the ground kind of helping out, but um, Ohio hasn't gotten like the full FEMA response. Um, So that's probably the only thing that I'm aware of that's still kind of out there. I do think you know, there has been a fair amount of collaboration between state and federal officials. At this point, federal officials have kind of come and taken the lead on everything now. Like Ohio's EPA, I know, is deferring to U.S. EPA on a lot of things. You know, um, Haley, I want to uh, let you in on a little secret if you haven't been following Nick or myself or the program. Uh, a while back, Nick got into a little bit of a Twitter spat, I would say, with folks about um, no one's covering this story. There was a somebody that works for the United Nations, I forget in what role, and Nick wrote a response that got you know hundreds of thousands replies, views, and it was basically in essence that people were covering this story at the onset, from the national to the local level. I want I want to take it to you because you've been covering the state, obviously. What do you make of people that complain that no one was covering this issue? Was the national media too late to parachute onto this to give it the the attention it deserved? What's your read on everything since you've been covering this story? Well, I think a lot of times when people say no one has been covering this story, they're thinking about the CNN, New York Times, or thinking about their national media, when in reality you have local outlets, you know, covering these from the beginning, you know, I have colleagues up at the Akron Beacon Journal who covered kind of the immediate aftermath. Um, the company that I work for, Gannett, also has a paper in Beaver Creek, Pennsylvania that was covering, you know, their side of things from the beginning as well. So, you know, obviously when national media begins to cover an event, you're able to get more attention on it. Um, you're able to kind of spread the message of what's happening. But um, so that's probably why in the beginning, you know, people felt that it wasn't getting the attention that it deserved, whether they stepped in at the right time. You know, I don't know for sure. I do think some national outlets were kind of there at the beginning, too. So a lot of times I think those debates are a matter of where you get your news and, you know, what the outlets you watch are doing about a certain story. Haley, the the safety measures that Norfolk Southern has been putting forward, uh, apparently it's a six-point plan. From what you know about those measures and the recent derailments, because there has been at least another one since then, um, what's your read of whether those safety measures will fully address what the crisis currently is or what was a result of Norfolk Southern? Um, or is it really just sort of dip, the beginning of just dipping its toe in the water? Yeah, so their safety plans 
address um, one of the big things that they're they want to install more of these hot bearing detectors, which is what is installed along the railroad and it detects things like the hot wheel bearing on the um, on the train that derailed. Um, you know, I think it'll be useful to have more of those, but at the same time, um, there were, so this is like the nitty gritty of trains that I've learned about in the past month. Um, we're nerds here. Let's go. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Share it. So the train passed three different hot bearing detectors starting 30 miles out from East Palestine, according to the, uh, the NTSB investigation. And so the first two bearing detectors didn't detect uh, crisis level temperatures. It wasn't um, until that third one where the crew on board got an alert that, you know, there was an issue and that they needed to try to stop the train. And that is what they did. They did, you know, try to stop and remedy the situation in East Palestine. But by then it appears it was too late. The thing with these detectors is that the railroads set the limits, the thresholds for what these temperatures should be, what's considered a crisis temperature. So there's been some discussion since these Palestine derailment about whether there should be like a uniform set, you know, a uniform temperature that's considered a crisis temperature that, you know, should cause an alert to go off. And I don't know whether adding more detectors necessarily addresses that if the issue perhaps is, you know, is the temperature itself. And, you know, we'll see what um, Department of Transportation and, you know, Congress and others decide on that front. But um, I know the temperature threshold is one thing I'll be curious to see, um, you know, if any changes are made on that front. Haley, you know, before we let you go, uh, Nick just alluded to it and I alluded to it at the beginning. Um, there's been other train, train, train derailment, excuse me, from Norfolk Southern. We heard about the one that happened in Springfield, Ohio. What's the latest on some of these other accidents that have happened? What has caused them? What is going on with Norfolk Southern that they can't drive their trains properly? Like, it's, what, what has been your read with everything happening uh, with respect to these other derailments? Yeah, so my understanding, the um, one in Springfield, which is near Dayton, Ohio, um, there were not, it's very different scenario from what happened in East Palestine. There were not any hazardous materials on board the train didn't catch fire or anything like it did so it's much less severe than what happened in east palestine the ntsb is investigating that derailment and it'll be a bit before we have any sense of what happened there i think um but we had that happen and then just recent just this week we had um there was a norfolk um a Norfolk Southern worker died after he was working at a railroad crossing and um, was hit by a dump truck, you know, not really related to trains, but just again, another really horrible uh, story, you know, coming related to this company. So, you know, I'm not an expert, but, you know, it has been kind of a series of unfortunate events for them in Ohio. And they've had derailments in Ohio before. And my colleague did a story sometime after the East Palestine derailment, kind of outlining that they have, you know, one of the worst derailment records in the country. So, you know, they 
the CEO, Alan Shaw, is um, going to be testifying before a U.S. Senate panel this week. And I think he'll have some tough questions to face during that. Well, you can check out all of Haley's work uh, over on the USA Today Network. She's been covering Ohio politics. She's a fantastic political reporter. Follow her on social media. Haley, can't thank you enough for coming on the program and educating Nick and I, who are, are trained buffs, uh, minors in trained buffs. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Continue success to you. Please stay safe. Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, our thank yous there to Haley B. Miller. Um, by the way, she's she is really great. I reached out to her a couple of weeks ago. We've been trying to figure out somebody covering this from the local angle. You know, we've done this a bunch on other different stories that have played out nationwide, internationally as well. If you remember the Iran episode that we did with Kamen Mohammadi, but um, Haley's fantastic. Go check it out. USA Today uh, Network, like I mentioned, covering Ohio, Columbus Post-Dispatch. If you're living in Columbus, Ohio, you've probably read a bunch of Haley's articles. My thank yous to her. Nick, um, final take here as we wrap on the entire story of the train derailment. There was a couple of things I learned there. First off, she mentioned Norfolk Southern has a terrible record. They've had other derailments in Ohio specifically. So I'm already feeling for the people of Ohio that have dealt with this. Uh, you, We talked about the testing with respect to what they're doing and Norfolk Southern potentially leading that. Hopefully not. There's an independent body maybe doing that. I know there's been stories from other outlets about residents requesting independent testing on their own. Rightfully so, right? You go to one doctor, you don't agree with that doctor, you go get a second opinion. Uh, they should be doing that, right? Especially uh, given Norfolk Southern's track record. And that leads me perfectly into the last part, which is the amount of money that they offered these folks at the onset was so abysmal to offer it. Norfolk Southern's worth, I think, three to four billion dollars, if memory serves me correctly, without looking that up. And the fact that these folks were offering a thousand dollars per resident in the town is atrocious, given what has happened accident-wise. What's your overall take on Norfolk Southern not being able to drive trains properly and this story overall? Yeah, there was a something Haley brought up um, about temperatures you know what the at the federal level is the accepted temperature on the rail lines um and you know where does a company like norfolk southern you know live on that and that's one of the safety measures they're pursuing and you know in that part of the conversation i just shook my head because it always comes down to federal versus state guidelines and rather private guidelines you know what is what does norfolk southern determine you know as the right safety measure and as a private company they they think they're entitled to this but you know you are using 
public transportation, essentially. Those are rail lines that run nationally. So who decides? And I think that's that's just an ongoing challenge in this country. We're seeing this play out in so many different avenues in the U.S. And I just shook my head at that moment because it's just it's really much very much a here we go again. Um, yeah, I'm I'm smiling as I say this because, you know, you you mentioned in the interview about you know, the exchange I had with some folks on Twitter um, and just the invisibility of something I post, which is still wild because I'm, I'm a nobody. Um, even to my kids, I'm a nobody. <laughs> Uh, but to your co-host too. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there it is. There right. it is. No respect. No respect. All yeah. right. Um, but it comes back to this again, local reporting. The night that that story broke, or when I saw that first tweet of, well, nobody's covering it. And immediately, all you had to do, the Columbus Dispatch is another great paper. That was one I found originally even closer to the grounds of where this took place. And she said it, too. She was much kinder about it than the way I obviously was on social media. This reality about people define news or define coverage as what's on my television between a certain select number of channels, between CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and wherever else you go. And no one realizes that, and maybe this is just the problem that newspapers suffer now, is and t- local TV networks, right? Shout out to, to folks who do local television broadcasting. There were people in the, in the area that this is their job to cover it. To think that they wouldn't do that is silly. Of course they're doing it. They just don't have the platform until our show came along. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Oh, damn. You know, we are. This is this is honestly our bread and butter, folks. Is one of the things we pride ourselves on. When Mike brings forward someone who is lo- covering a local beat, it makes me happier than so many other things that we do in this program because to be able to spotlight someone like Haley B. Miller, like we did with Anna Wolf, like we've done with so many others. This is the proof of the pudding, folks. This is why we talk about local journalism. This is why we talk about journalism being so important, that when you wish to be informed, understand the radius that you have to go to. If it's a matter of East Palestine, Ohio, CNN may not get it anytime soon. NPR may not get it quickly enough. But there's a local reporter there that the second that happened, their dinner plans got changed. You know what I mean? Right. So it's important to respect that. Respect the work of local journalists. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the, it's the reason why we started this show. We want to talk to people who know what they're talking about. Haley B. Miller knows exactly what she's talking about. Follow her on social media. Speaking of social media, you want to follow us on social media, IG, TikTok, at Can We Please Talk Podcast on Twitter, at Can We Please Talk, audio podcast platforms you know by now, Apple, Spotify, Google. Please leave us a five-star review and comment and subscribe to the show and on video on the YouTube channel type in can we please talk and we should come right up and if we don't tell us email us at can we please talk podcast at gmail.com I want to find out if Kevin if Tevin Campbell is taking over our spot with his song um, uh, shout out to Braid if, if you don't know about the Braid app we've been talking about this the new social media company that we've partnered with to do more content over there bunch of different great conversations that we've had over there download the Braid app right now in the app store or google play store you can follow nick at nick.cwpt follow myself at can we please talk mike join the conversation over on the braid app we can't do it without each and every one of you that listens in to this program as always i'm mike leon excited to make sure everyone is informed and somewhat entertained i'm nick Saveri. we'll see everybody next time